What is up, Internets? Welcome back to another episode of the Randy King Live podcast with our first time ever returning guest. So we'll get to Ooh. our guest, we'll get to the topic, but this is the first time I've ever done a secondary person. So you should feel very honored, Tammy. Wow. The, real, the really cool thing about the show is, if you've noticed, I will debate anyone. So Tammy came at me with a great topic idea. If, if you do want to do this show, that is literally your bar for entry. Message me with a topic and I will put you on the show so we can have the debate. Um, I think it's really important because, like I said, the cool thing about the debate for me is the research. So I researched this topic because you took the side I didn't expect you to take. So I researched the topic hard and it was very, it was a quite the, quite the Google rabbit hole, but we'll talk about that in the final thoughts. So if this is your first time joining me, because maybe you only know the great Tammy Arbacrack and you've never heard of the lowly Randy King, which is the way the universe is going right now, uh, uh, th this is a debate-based podcast. So what I mean by debate is myself and Tammy are going to be debating a topic. When we debate the topic, we're not going to quote-unquote argue. We are going to have a level discussion with points about our side of the topic. During the free podcast here, we will not be debating our personal beliefs. We will not be debating our ethics. We will be debating just the topic at hand. So I am pigeonholing Tammy into the one side of the argument that she took, and I'm doing the same side, or the opposite side. Very frequently when it comes to these things, the answer is almost always both things. So the whole point of the show isn't for a winner or a loser to occur, even though those clearly happen sometimes. The point of the show is for us to give you reason debate so you can form your own opinion. I know that's scary. I know a lot of people freak out about that, but there's too many experts telling you one side of the fence. You're not hearing both sides. And as I've said in multiple of these, but again, this might be your first time, the internet is so polarized and so devolving that we can't have these gray area conversations. And the truth to me is kind of in the gray. That's where you take away the emotional content and the, and the personal filter of your brain. And we have this conversation. So Rules of the show are very simple. We start as friends. We leave as friends. If Tammy hasn't not been my friend after all the shit I've given her up to this point, I think we're all set up. So we're going to start as friends. We're going to leave as friends. Number two is there's 15 logic fallacies that I sent ahead of time to Tammy. If you want to know what those logic fallacies are, jump over to episode one, which is now our most downloaded episode because a lot of you are doing that. So jump over to episode one where I explain the 15 fallacies that we chose to – I say we. There's no mouse in my pocket. That I chose to use <laughs> – for this debate. And the reason why is the 15 I picked make the conversation continue. They don't stall the conversation, but there are things you're allowed to do, i.e. moving the goalposts. So in most debates, moving the goalposts is frowned upon. It's a logic fallacy. For the essence of this debate, it's great because then we get a different thought process. The topic is 20 minutes long for the open debate. Tammy will start. I will do a counterpoint and then we will progress. If you want more on this topic, or you want to hear our actual thoughts on the topic, those only exist on my Patreon, at patreon.com slash randykinglive at the $5 level. Right now, there is 21 afterthought videos there. Each one's about 15 to 20 minutes, so it's actually like another podcast. So if you want more of this, you're enjoying the debate, or you want just to find out what we actually think on these topics, feel free to jump over to Patreon. I would greatly appreciate any support you can give me. Tammy, why oh, one more thing. Listener involvement. So listeners, you also have a thing that you could do during the show. So if you go to episode one and hear the 15 logic fallacies and you hear myself or my guest use one of the fallacies and we don't call the person out on it. And what happens when they get called out is very simply, let's say Tammy uses logic fallacy. I'll say, hey, Tammy, you used a uh, circular argument there. So we just keep going back to the same point. We're not gaining any ground. Tammy would then 
take a page out of Rory Miller's ConCon book, which we both instruct. She would take a deep breath. She would actually apologize. I'm sorry for using a circular argument. You then compliment the person across the screen. And there's many things to compliment me on. So Tammy should have just a, a rife ability of things to compliment me on. And then you secede your turn. If listeners, if you don't hear us catch that and you catch it, so we use one of the 15 fallacies, send me a message at, with the minute it occurred on the show. I will listen to it. If I can't debate my way out of it being a fallacy, then you get free advertising. So I will pay for my crime in push-ups. I will do X amount of push-ups for the, the fallacy. But also while I'm doing those push-ups on video, I will say whatever you wish out of my word hole to promote whatever you're into promoting. So listen, you get free advertising out of this if you enjoy the show and you catch us in a fallacy that we have. We didn't catch ourselves. This has not happened yet. It almost happened one time with Paul Donnelly in Halifax, KPC Halifax, which is... It almost seems like I'm freely giving him advertising, but that is not the point. Uh, that is the only person who almost caught us on this. So, you understand the show. We start as friends, we leave as friends. We have 15 rules we have to follow, 20-minute debate. You at home listen for us messing up. Tammy, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Tammy McCracken. Um, let's see. So, I, this is the, the video stuff comes out with this too, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right. So before I'm like, hey, here's the sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that was that's actually has a visual cue to go with it. So, yes. um, so um, owner, chief instructor, at course self defense and Krav Maga outside of Washington D.C., Northern Virginia side of the house, and I uh, travel and and teach, do seminars. Uh, Brandy and I have worked together. Work with violence dynamics. I work with Kyron training, and I have a was a newly launched product, um, sort of project, but it's not all that new. It's been a gradual work in progress for the last couple of years, and that is the 500 Rising project. And that is, I would say, newly launched in that it's we finally now have some traction and are, are doing things with it. So there you go. That's awesome. So I highly recommend you check out hashtag 500 Rising on all social media. Uh, Tammy's doing a really great thing. It links back to an original blog that, I, if I remember, I will put in the show notes, but odds aren't great that I will. But I will try to. I wrote it down. Blog in show notes. <laughs> awesome. So, Tammy, today the topic we have is a topic that uh, kind of gets under your skin sometimes, uh, which is the topic of safe spaces. So, in this debate, I need to really pigeonhole this. So, when we're saying safe spaces for the listeners, we are talking primarily about emotional safe places so obviously we don't want people to get shot we don't want people to get hurt we don't want people to be abused we're talking specifically in the and so just so you're clear too tammy about the emotional safe space right so we're not saying like you know people shouldn't people should be beat up in school that's not the point but we're so we're talking about i think primarily emotionally safe space so the argument or the debate today rather is uh pro or con safe spaces are they good or are they not good Tammy, what side of the debate are you taking? I am pro-safe space. <laughs> Which is shocking. And if you're one of my fans, you'll be like, oh, what? <laughs> but that's the beauty of the show. So I am taking anti-safe space. Um, and that was the fun part of the research that we'll talk about in the final thoughts. So, Tammy, you get up to, up to four minutes for your opening statement. I'm going okay. to find this clock now. We're already talking way longer. This will be a longer episode. So, Tammy, starting now, up to four minutes, please give me your reasons why you think safe spaces for this debate are good. Go. There are far more reasons than I can illuminate in the four minutes. So we'll hit the highlights. 
we have culturally a significant number of marginalized groups of people. And although we'll see shifts in who is who is a marginalized or oppressed group of people based on where where you are on the planet, because there are cultural shifts obviously that impact that. Ultimately, the the concept of a safe space is that because we have so many groups of individuals who have been particularly marginalized, we need to become conscious of that as we're making a change in the way humans relate to one another and trying to bring forward the conversations that started, if we go back even a couple of centuries ago, when just the abolition of actual human slavery became a major factor. The effort of Safe Space now is to expand that reality to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are, how you relate to yourself and the identity that you carry needs to have an opportunity to be expressed without, um, without any re- uh, negative repercussions. Sure. So you done? Yeah. So I'm going to start off with a quote because I haven't done that before. So my quote is, because there was this space where you could interact with people who didn't agree with you, I started testing my own assumptions. Quote by Barack Obama. So I like to throw this in on this side because a lot of people on the one side of the fence wouldn't think somebody like Obama would say something like this. And while this wasn't directly for safe spaces, I think it does apply. So my debate is going to be pretty much based off of the environment that safe spaces are used, again, only emotional safe spaces. So primarily universities and colleges. And this used to be just a United States problem, but now it's going over to the UK, et cetera, et cetera. It's expanding. So most of the things that I saw in the conversation was what is the point of university? What is the point of college? And the point of university college is to expand your mind. Now, that's not where I'm going to hinge my debate on because we can redefine what university and college is for. But the things that I think are primarily affected by it is, number one, the infantilization of people self-making themselves weak babies. Like, so they can't take any negative stimulus, so they are in turn turning themselves weaker. Number two is that after they leave the college sphere, these safe spaces will no longer exist. So they are creating coping mechanisms that are not realistic to the real world. And last but not least, and where a lot of people chime in on this, is... The people that are creating safe spaces are people that are literally trying to change the world and good for them. But if you only exist in a coping mechanism where you can leave when you feel uncomfortable, you will never convert people to your cause. So even if you are a do-gooder, working with this mentality will make you not being good at being a do-gooder because you can't stop resistance. Ten. All right. So trying to make notes along the way. Yeah. The... In infantilizing mm-hmm. concept here. Obviously, I disagree with that. Obviously. So if if we're if we're going to use that as a negative, that this is why safe spaces are not effective or should right. not be supported or implemented, yeah. then what we're saying is, if I'm if I'm hearing this right, sure. we make a safe space, an emotional safe space. Re- yeah. Reiterating that we're not talking about you know beating people up then 
where we are voluntarily making that individual even weaker, even more marginalized, even more liminal to the society at large. Okay. And I disagree with that because if we create a space and opportunity for people who are so deeply marginalized, who are, who live their lives consistently with a degree of oppression or outright efforts to interfere with their capacity to live their life as they choose to, mm-hmm. if, if we don't create that space for them, there's no place where they can go for essentially respite and recovery. Mm-hmm. And we need respite. We, we know that the, the system that we are mm-hmm. needs respite and recovery to continue to grow and thrive. Yes. So I agree with that. And I'm going to take issue with the word we. So they can create that safe space on their own. We, as a collective group, should not dictate where those safe spaces are. If they need a place for respite, people have had to find this their whole lives going through everything. Without stress and conflict, there will be no growth. So the we, when you said we need to create this, if I create a safe space for people that are in a different marginalization area for me, That is not helpful. In fact, it's self-selecting segregation. It is me saying where people should go. They can create a safe space in their own home, in their own areas, but we as a group creating these designated safe space is, there's like 101 of ruling a country and being a dictator is separating the people into separate zones. This is the PC safe way of self-segregation. People are now going into their own groups on their own with no help, from uh with no uh with no evil intent behind it and only getting their own ideas cross-pollination is such a super important part of being a human being and if they live in the safe space how will they actually know what the reality of the problem is for them to try and fix it the if we think about the focus on university college campuses sure and the reality of a college campus is that there are very few truly private places. Mm-hmm. Dormitories, for example, where most of the kids live. If, um, I don't know about up in Canada, but I know in the United States, most of the universities require the kids live on campus for their first year. Okay. And, and, and you have to get an exception not to, meaning mm-hmm. like, hey, I actually live down the street. So with my mom and dad, you have to prove that. Otherwise, you have to live on campus in a dorm. Right. And so if we think about that, the dorms are, rooms are shared, Uh right? So you have a roommate. The bathrooms are shared. The hallways are shared. The, oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, So if there is a common area where there's a television or a kitchenette, things like that, that the dorms often tried to provide, especially newer, you know, they're trying to make everybody feel happy about where they live. All of these spaces are communal. Uh And so in your your statement, now we're in the garage. (laughs) Sorry, guys. All of these spaces are communal. Yes. And as a result, the these folks are not going to. You said we, you know, they can make their own safe space, right? They yeah. can 
you can, they can go into their homes, they can gather together and as a result have a safe space that they have created for themselves. Right. right. However, at the university level, for those students who must live on campus or need to live on campus, mm-hmm. they're not, they don't have the authority mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe legal is a little bit too strong of a word, but they don't have the, the capacity to set the boundaries that say, okay, so here is my safe space. This is where my group of folks are going to hang out and here we will be free of the potential interference of bias and negativity, hostility. And I don't get to kick you out Mm -hmm. because you have the right to be here too. So for universities to establish specific geographical locations on campus, they're compensating for the reality that there isn't, there is no, there's really no privacy at all for these kiddos. All right, so I think then, like, is that not giving away authority of the group itself to then just rely more heavily on a infrastructure that they already are trying to stop, which is the necessary need for the safe space? So they should learn to create those boundaries on their own with the tools they have in a separate situation. Like going back to the treehouse with a no girls allowed sign, right? Like we have to, we have to, we have to learn how to establish boundaries. And if we always uh, give away our authority to a upper class person, then when you leave this area of safe space, this, this university womb effectively with all the safety in it, and you come out to the real world, you will, like, again, the coping mechanisms you built won't be there. There won't be a person to tell. There won't be a safe space for you to exist. So you're doubling down on habits in your most formative years on giving away your authority. That would presume a, a lack of consciousness, in a mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. in that if I am, again, think about university-level folks, We're somewhere between the ages of roughly 18 and 22, 23. Sure. And although not completely fully formed as far as that higher level functioning, that part of the brain that makes really good decisions, right? That's not all the way online yet. Correct. But it's not all the way offline either. Mm -hmm. So we've got a group of, of individuals who are learning to express the boundary setting as adults and and it's not, we're not all firing, uh, to use this metaphorically, we're, they're not all firing on the same cylinders all the time. Right. And although you have a point about the opportunity to learn and how to exercise my capacity to establish personal boundaries, if all of our brains are a little sketchy right now, then I might be, to sort of do a projection here, I might be... I might learn an effective skill for establishing boundaries that normally would be available to me, but my brain's a little sketchy at the particular moment because of, mm. let's say, stressors, et cetera. And so that sure. decision-making capacity is not as powerful or as it turned on. Mm-hmm. And having the ability to go to that safe space where I don't have to search 
I don't have to dig my way up to neurological functioning that may not be fully available at that particular moment. It again brings us back to that opportunity for respite. So agreed, but that that's that's just the training aspect in general, right? Like all training needs to have like when you first learn how to punch, you don't punch properly because you have to develop neural pattern. It doesn't mean you don't ever punch under pressure. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have like that you're allowed to quit in the middle of a sparring match. Right, just because you don't have the skill set that you would like to have, that's the whole point of training. All right, so I, I don't have my list right in front of me as far as the fall fallacies go. Sure, oh, but okay. um, and so I'm not sure which one this may fall into. Yeah, but I think there is a I'm going to call it a false comparative there. Sure, okay, or well. maybe um, that's not exactly right either. So I'll just what I heard you say was yeah. you you can't just quit. In yeah. the middle of a sparring match. Yeah. Only you can. Sure. All right. I guess. All right. So that will be a false comparison. Let me read okay. you my comparison. You don't get to quit in the middle of a fight you didn't choose. And that's how most of their encounters are going to be. They're going to be debates okay. they didn't choose. And what do you mean by quit? Walk away. Say, I'm going to the safe space. This is over. Right. Like when they come to the real world uh, banging of heads, when it comes to this thing, they're not going to gain any ground. And their major training mechanism is going to be going back to a safe space because that was an available process. Ah, so that assumes that that the safe space is the only training mechanism available. Well, and I, so I am definitely not assuming that. But from what I have read, that is the only model they use because they have it's. Because it's the Trump, it's the ace beats the whole, I'm going to my safe space, that they have this, like, generic throw in the towel that doesn't exist in any other area yet than university. I'm sure and, there'll be safe spaces eventually in, in businesses. But keep going. Well, and the I didn't have a ton of time to do some research, but yeah. poking around a little bit, I think that is a, on one hand, a valid comparison, and also... I'm going to say short-sighted, but I don't mean sure. that in a punitive way. I know what you mean. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll accept it. Yeah. Because it is, workplaces are beginning to acknowledge that this sure. is not just a university issue, that this is a cultural issue and that we are collectively, society is responsible for forwarding change. Right. Right. So they're looking into, there are some, there's some discussion at the corporate level of this. Sure, and I agree with that. So I'm going to work on that word change. That's one of my favorite words. So when you insulate people, they tend to become insular, right? So what I mean by that is we're insulating these people from the real world where they're only talking about their thoughts, their topics, their everything, which then makes them insular to other people's issues and problems. So there was an example that happened. A speaker was brought in from uh, Iraq, I believe. And she was having a discussion about like the trafficking and all the things that happened to her in her life and how crazy it was. And the safe space culture of people that were at this, when they asked her a question, she shot the question down. Then that person complained that the presenter did not provide a safe space for them to express their disconsenting issues. When in real life, the person asking the question wasn't providing a safe space for the person that actually needed a safe space in order for them to present their material. So my issue is when you insulate people, they think only their problems are their problems because they're not communicating other people's problems. They're not learning. They're not resisting. They're not testing their assumptions. 
everything they hear is an echo chamber, everybody's a yes man, all they're going to reinforce is their belief structure. So when they walk to a different belief structure, they're going to take offense when they may be the one giving the offense, i.e. in the story. So this is probably an assumption, which sure. is risky at best, that if we have somebody who's speaking publicly to a group and they're speaking about difficult times in their life and, and they have, they're there by choice. Mm-hmm. So if, if I am that person, I am here by choice. I'm speaking about my difficulties by choice yeah. in an environment where one might expect that there might be a variety of beliefs to be sure. expressed. And so our speaker here has voluntarily placed herself in a circumstance in which dissent is acceptable. She's she's volunteered for it. She's chosen it by nature of the choice to stand and speak. Right. The individuals in the audience are not necessarily working at that same level of voluntary permission. Okay. Even though they willingly chose to go to that speaker. I and think- also, sorry, I just because we're almost running out of time yep. and I wanted to get to a free speech thing that we'll talk about later on, I guess, because that was too easy of a thing. I didn't want to go easy first. <laughs> but um, the, the speaker, when she squashed the dissent, it wasn't rude. She just answered the question in a way that the person didn't approve of because oh. it wasn't in line with their worldview and this is okay. the issue yeah sorry keep going yeah that's okay um it's a good point of clarity yeah. and and i would say and i you know i have to acknowledge i, I bit on the hook that you threw out there <laughs> that maybe a little bit of an appeal to authority in in a sense in your conversation there how am i appealing to authority um Just because giving an example of a story hmm so one of the th- one of the problems with appeal to authority is that we're 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 reaching to an outside outside resource mm-hmm. as validation, and you're kind of reaching to an outside resource here. Yes, but I'm reaching to an outside resource not to stop the conversation. I'm using it as an example to further the conversation. So I'm not appealing to authority. I'm giving you an example mm-hmm. to refute. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Anyways, that's the end of the debate right there. <laughs> Twenty minutes. <Yay. laughs> That's why I had to learn about these debate topics is all of these are just of like, but she said it, so it's over. That's an appeal to authority, uh, not yeah, an example yeah. forward. Anyways, Tammy, that was excellent, minus all the dogs, but that's so okay. Sorry. People love dogs. It's great. So if you want to hear our views, I also had a bunch of stuff prepped on free speech uh, in this up and down censorship. I had this whole thing, but it was too easy, and I didn't want to, to use it. So uh, again, hopefully you gained a lot from this debate. Tammy, where can the listeners find you? A couple different places. You can find me through the website for Core Self Defense, which is literally coreselfdefense.com, core with a K. And um, you can find me through 500rising.com. There are yep. resource points there. I'm all over social media for Core Self Defense, 500 Rising, Tammy Yard McCracken. That, that's all out there, fairly easy to get a hold of. Awesome. All right, Tammy, thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to jump to final thoughts now where probably the dogs won't bark at all because it's the, the paid part not. and people <laughs> don't care there. But thank you again for this discussion. It was awesome. If you want to hear-